Amen, amen. We both did. So one of the things that we did right. Um, I need two volunteers, uh, somebody who really doesn't come on the platform a ton because we don't need to have somebody up here who's been up here a bunch. So I need two. Come on. Don't make me choose you because I will. I will call you out. Give me two. I need two. Come on. All right. Who's going to be? Who's it going to be? And now people are like looking down. I see you <laughs> looking down and away. That's, that's okay. Okay, I'm choosing now. All right, come on. Yep, come on. Okay, two. Yeah, come on. That would be perfect. Perfect. Come up here. Come up here. Um, okay. One of you sit here. Okay. The other here. All right, so we're starting a, a new series on relationships, so I figured relationships should be fun. Um, and look, that's, that's perfect, because that's what, that's what I'm talking about this morning. Um, and so go ahead and introduce yourselves to everybody out here first. I'm Shelby. And I'm Michelle. Okay, yeah, oh, two mics, I like it. They only gave me one. I only got one earlier. So um, I was sitting down at Falls Perk uh, while I was working on this message and kind of preparing for this uh, series, and as I'm sitting down there reading. I look to my side, and I, I see these table topic uh, conversation starters. They're called, you see, I put it on the screen here. Questions to start great conversations with. So I thought, well, what a great way to start our series off here by doing one of these and having two people who don't know each other or who are budding friends <laughs> to come up and do one of these. So I was sitting there, and I just drew one randomly, and I took a picture of it. And um, you two are going to answer it to one another. So here's the question. What do you like about living in the state where you live? Who's going first? The corn. <laughs> okay. you, okay, are you have another one? Yeah. I'm just kidding. Uh -huh. um, I like all the activities you have around here to do with friends, like okay. and kids. Like they have a lot of you're, kid you're talking to her, not me. Oh gosh, yeah. sorry, <laughs> goodness. Um, you can do so much different things with kids. They open a lot of things to take your kids to do, and that's nice. And the parks, we have great parks. Um, for me, it's just because all my family and my friends are here, and like I grew up in Indiana, so my parents still live no nearby, and that's the only thing that keeps me in Indiana right now. <laughs> <laughs> It's not the weather, that's for sure. <laughs> Definitely not the weather. Nope. Awesome. Well, I want to thank you. Thank them. I'm not going to keep you up here for real long. Thank you both. Yeah, you can set these down here. I kind of set it there so they don't roll off. Yeah, there we go. I don't know. It's a round table, round microphones. Uh, okay. Yeah, make sure. So one of the things that I, I've kind of committed myself to doing for at least the time being over the years is doing a, a series on relationships. Um, because one of the things that I, I've discovered, and he's, even as I talk to people and everything that we're reading right now, is showing that people are spending more and more time alone, and that loneliness have become, has become a really big problem within our culture and society, and actually, even in, in Scripture, one of the things that we discover is that the first thing that God that says, says is not good is actually for man to be alone. My wife tells me it's because I would never make it a doctor's appointment for myself, but... But, I mean, that's a real general thing. Like, it's not good for people to, to be alone. They don't do well. well. You don't do well when you're alone. And that's kind of the reason for these series that we have year after year. Um, I've read some of these things before to you before. Um, but former U.S. Surgeon General uh, Vivek Murthy said that when he saw his patients, the most common problem was not heart disease or cancer, but loneliness. 
Uh, teens continue to report being lonelier than ever and have shifted from in-person socializing to online socializing. And there's no doubt about it that this is linked to the skyrocketing mental health crisis of depression and unhappiness that teens have generally been suffering since 2012, which is the moment that the smartphone uh, went over basically 50% of the population in our pockets. Uh, men continue to be in a friend recession. Fewer than half of all men say they are satisfied with the number of friendships they have. And then more than a third of our elders are living alone. That's over 26 million Americans. Now this is really important for us uh, because our social lives have a tremendous effect even just on our physical health. Um, doctors are basically saying now you're, you're, as, you're better off smoking about two packs of cigarettes today than being chronically lonely or without having meaningful uh, relationships in your life. And so here's some topics that we're going to cover over the next couple of weeks. And you may be really good at these. You may have these. You may not even be at this point in your life with, uh, or in a place in your life where you're still dating. Um, but we're going to discuss friendship today, dating, marriage, and our relationship with our kids here in the next couple of weeks. And I hope you'll stick with us and encourage others to join us. So let's get to friendships. I think uh, teaching and, and preaching about friendships in the church has largely been ignored, uh, or at least that's been my experience. I think when I kind of think back, I guess I should say, I don't know if I ever heard a sermon or a message or a teaching on, on friendship in the church, which is just really interesting considering to, to really experience abundant life, you need good and healthy friendships. Also, when you look at church history, um, some of our greatest theologians, our church fathers, people like Basil, Gregory, John Chrysostom, Chrysostom sorry, I, I, I did mispronounce that, um, and I'm going to pronounce this differently than Dr. Varner does, Augustine. Uh, there's actually a debate over how you pronounce his name. Um, they, all, they all wrote about friendship. Some of the greatest preachers and teachers have wrote about friendship and taught and preached about friendship. Uh, Luther, Spurgeon. John Wesley basically started the Methodist movement with a group of friends from Oxford. And so we see that friendship has a huge impact and has historically in the life of the church, but for some reason we haven't been preaching and teaching on it a whole lot. More than that, the greatest preacher and teacher of all times talks about friendship as one of the highest forms of love. Does anybody know who that is? Some of you are getting it right. Others are like, I have no idea. It's Jesus. Like, <laughs> all right, it's Jesus. Sunday school answer. So if you have your Bibles, go to John 15. I'm going to begin in verse 13, and we're going to read through uh, 15, or 17 here. Jesus is teaching his disciples, and here's what he tells them. He says, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know what his master, or did not, does not know his master's business. Instead, I call you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. This is my command. Love each other. So what we see here is that Jesus calls his disciples friends, and then th this friendship drives him to the cross and then he tells us the way that we are supposed to relate to one another is through friendship, through a love that is driven through friendship. 
one of the things that's, or a couple of the things that are really interesting uh, about friendship and uh, friendship love, it's, it's unique in a few ways. Uh, two ways I want to share with you right now is one, it's unique and that a friend chooses you, and the other is that a friend sacrifices for you. Tim Keller points, pointed out to me for the first time and through his writings on friendship that friendship is unique because they can bring something to your life that a family member doesn't. The knowledge that you have been chosen. A, a friend chooses you. A friend picks you. You know, you don't pick your family. You pick your nose and you pick your friends. <laughs> don't pick your friend's nose. <laughs> but a friend chooses you, right? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about that? You've been chosen by your friends. You choose your friends. Second is a friend sacrifices for you. And they sacrifice kind of voluntarily for you. There's not like a biological reason for it. They sacrifice to be with you, to help you, to listen to you. And, and to be honest, somebody probably really isn't a friend or a close friend if they aren't doing those things. I, I share with you all the time, so one of the greatest influences on my life is, is my father's not a perfect man at all. And maybe I'll, I'll, I'll tell you about all that sometime in the future as well. But um, one of the things I've seen my dad do a really good job at in the past is friendship. And a few years back, we were going through our Christmas presents. And uh, like my family on my mom's side, um, there are just Christmas presents everywhere on Christmas uh, between my mom and her mom. Uh, I think, I think my, my grandma now just shops for Christmas presents year-round for her great-grandchildren. And so there's just piles everywhere, and it takes about an hour to get through the presents and there was this big present, though, behind the tree um, a couple years ago. And it was, about, it was as tall as a tree. It might have been taller than a tree and kind of leaning up against the wall. And so we go through, for, it felt like through hours, through all of these presents, and me thinking about well, how do I get rid of all of this stuff before it goes into my house. Um, uh, we bring out, my mom brings out this last gift, and she gives it to my dad. And uh, it's this really significant gift. Um, and she says, this is uh, from your friend, uh, and this is from his best friend growing up. To, it was his neighbor. It was his, his childhood friend, and they were neighbors together. And he opens it, and it's this long pole saw, like with a chainsaw at the end. I mean, a, a, a nice gift, but it's significant for a, 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 a one particular reason, is that this friend that my dad had grown up with um, through the really over 20 years, and really longer than that to a certain extent, he really struggled financially. Um, he, has struggled, he has struggled with his health, and my dad has kind of always been there for him. He's always made sure he had food in his freezer or in his fridge. He always made sure he had clothes to wear, stay warm, and as his health has been failing, my dad has always made sure he's had the equipment that he's needed through the years to, to be as healthy as he can or, or to continue to be able to move around as much as possible. And so he opens this gift, and I mean, he obviously needed it. His friend knew he, he needed this because he had some trees that were hanging over his pool. But my mom said his, my dad's friend's wife dropped this gift off, and as she did, she just said, hey, um, my husband really wanted Mike to have this. He said that um, through the years, Mike has always been getting him gifts and always have been giving him things. And this was the first time in his life that he had been able to get my dad something that he felt was significant. He had, 
he had just gotten a small inheritance from his mom after she passed. And he basically bought two things, something for himself and then one thing for my dad. Um, and I remember that Christmas, like, hearing that and, and watching that. And that's, like, the only thing I remember from that Christmas. I don't remember anything I got. And then I also remember sharing that with, with my best friend. And I just remember it was on, on the phone, and my friend started just crying because of the significance of what took place there, a friend sacrificing for another friend and giving to another friend. Jesus says, this is my command, love each other. The command to love here is agape. Now, for you Greek scholars, which are like two of you, but we do have two that in here. I think they're probably no Greek. Um, there, there are four words, different words for love. Um, here, it's the word agape. And, and some of you, if you've been in the church for any amount of time, what you've heard over and over again is that agape love is the highest form of love. I mean, it's the selfless and sacrificial love of God. It's the way that God loves you. It's the way that God loves me. It's the way that God loves the world. And there are other loves. The other common love that we hear about is philea. And philea is friendship love or brotherly love. It's the reason we, Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. And so it's a lesser love than agape love. And what we see here, though, is that Jesus is commanding them to love one another, agape one another, where it seems like he should be saying phileia one another. In other words, using a lesser love. But what he says is greater love has no one than this, that, want, that you would lay down your life for your friends. And what Jesus is simply doing here is he's blurring the lines. He's saying that friendship love and the love that God has for us, selfless and sacrificial love, it's like, for the Christian, for somebody who's going to follow Christ, for somebody who's going to be like Christ, they come together. They're the same, almost, as one another. And so what we see here is that love for friends and the way that we show love for friends is a way to express your love for God and the way God loves us. And so here's just what I want to tell you as we think about friendship. It's okay to deeply love your friends. Friendship is not insignificant, at least not in the terms in which Jesus sees them. But we see this even in the Old Testament. You see this throughout the scriptures. And one of the, one of the relationships that I'm always in awe of are David and Jonathan. And I'm going to read about David and Jonathan's relationship here with one another. And um, so this is in 1 Samuel 18, verses 1 through 4. I'm going to explain this a little more here. And it says, After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return home to his family. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as much as himself. Jonathan took off his robe, took off the robe that he was wearing, and he gave it to David, along with his tunic and even his sword and his bow and his belt. And so if you kind of know what's going on here, uh, Jonathan is King Saul's son. King Saul is the king that David rises up and becomes this warrior and leader under. And so Jonathan is kind of next in line to, to, to be the king, and he's watching David rise up and lead and become this great warrior. And what happens in all of this and through David's interactions with Jonathan's father and, and them kind of leading together, Jonathan and David become really close friends. They become best friends. And what we're told here is Jonathan became one in spirit 
with David. That they're, 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 this, is, this is an extremely close friendship. This is a very intimate friendship. These are people that are sharing their lives with one another. I mean, one in spirit here. As you read this text, what you understand or what you can't understand and what you would know is that it's evident to Jonathan as he becomes friends with David and looks around and understands what's happening that David is probably the one to lead and inherit the kingdom, not Jonathan. Now, Jonathan, as the person who biologically should be inheriting the kingdom, could become jealous of David. He could complain about David, but what we see is that David or Jonathan learns to love David as himself. So then what he does is he makes a covenant with his best friend. And he basically is saying, what's mine is now yours. This is what's happening here as Jonathan is taking off his robe and he's giving it to David. As he takes off his sword, his bow, and his belt, he's saying, David, you can have what belonged to me. He's recognizing that, David, you are going to be the king. More than that, he's giving his birthright to David. What's going on here is a man is giving his life to another man. Uh, Looks familiar to Jesus' sacrifice. Jesus here is telling them he is laying down his life for his friends here. Jonathan is essentially doing that for David. One of the things that I've discovered through uh, the years is getting to to be friends um, and pastors and people in the military is that after they come out of the military, they, they really struggle. They struggle for a lot of reasons. But one of them is that you have forged these relationships with the men in your platoon uh, or that you went through boot camp with or that you served overseas with, that you went through hard times with, that you were there alongside and you knew so-and-so would have laid down their life for you. Like they would have given it all to protect you or your family, or whatever it may have been. And so you come out of that atmosphere, and you go back into civilian life, or you move away from those people. And what they often discover is that we, I, have, I don't have the type of friends that I used to have, or even the ability to make them becomes very difficult, because what happens is you go through these experiences where you show how much you care about the person next to you, and they know how much you care about them through the sacrifices that you're willing to make. And it becomes a very difficult thing because we don't, we're not good at making friends outside of some of those uh, atmospheres. And one of the reasons I share that too, by the way, is just to tell you men, like you do actually desire friendships as much as women do. You just make them different often. And so as a general rule of thumb, like men make friendships side by side, like doing things together, accomplishing things together. Women are much better at doing what I just showed up here, kind of face-to-face, having a conversation, while, while at the same time, like, you need to be able to do both. Like, it's healthy for, for people to do both. So as you, if you get married and, and you think about friendships and what that might look like, ladies, that might mean that, that you need to allow your husband or encourage, not allow, encourage um, your husbands to go do things with friends, like to, to go play golf, not all day, right? But, you know, maybe a quick 18. Um, I'm not even a golfer. I like to fish. But, and, and men, your, your wives, they need some face-to-face with some people that are better looking than you. Um, other women to connect. 
And so we need to connect. We need to make friends. And so the rest of this time, I'm going to talk about how to connect with friends uh, because we need to become good friends as much as we need to look for them. And, and uh, two of these are things that I've shared with you in the past, um, but repetition is a good thing, uh, I tell people. Um, and as far as you're, try, as, as you're trying to build a culture to a friendship, I think repetition can be good. And so how to connect with friends. First thing you need to do is you need to prior, prioritize friendship. Uh, as Christians, all the time, we try to prioritize being good husbands, being good parents, being good at whatever. You need to be good friends. Uh, Drew Hunter, in his book on friendship, he pastors here in Zionsville, actually, uh, he says a lot of our friends deserve a promotion. And so here's some things that we can do as we try to connect or prioritize for, uh, with our friends is try to keep in touch with friends if possible. It's a good thing. Feel free to strengthen long-term friendships and friend, people you've been friends with for a long time. Uh, it's hard to do this with everybody. If you've moved around at all, I'm one of those people, but I have some friends that I tried to keep in touch with. One is somebody that we say I was there at his birth because our moms were best friends, and so he has known me for a really long time, so it's, it's pretty cool because when I call him or he calls me, we really know each other. Um, and we've been, there for each, we've been there with each other for a really long time, and he loves the fish. And I love the fish, and you can't just turn your back on a fishing buddy. Um, and so he's one. My college roommate is another. I know I can tell my college roommate whatever, and I can say to him whatever, ever, good or bad, and he just wouldn't turn his back on me. Some of you have friends like that. You need to keep up with them. Uh, those, are, those are gifts from God. And so continue to do that. Continue to do that. Um, as we prioritize friends, you need to, some of you need to prioritize making new friends. You need to prioritize making fr new friends. Um, your current friends may not be good friends, um, or they may have changed, or you may have changed, um, or maybe you've decided to follow Jesus, right? and they are taking you down a path that is not good for you. And so sometimes you need to make new friends. It can be scary, but sometimes necessary. Proverbs 13.20 says this, Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. It is okay throughout your life for your friends to change. People might move. People might pass away. You know, sometimes it's time to make new friends. Sometimes you uh, might even think that you are close friends with somebody, but you kind of realize that you're not, or they're not as close with you as you thought they were. And, you know, that's, that's okay. That's part of the discovery process as you're making and forming friends. Again, Drew Hunter, he talks about this as like we have friendship lanes, and we have people who are in the same lane as us, and we kind of know it, and they know it. And so we, we just have conversations, you know, that's the case. And you have friends that you, you're, you really like. They're, they're good friends, and they're great, but they're, they might not really be right in the same lane as you. So you, like, think about it as a three- or four-lane highway. But then you have friends that are a little further off you still enjoy hanging out with, but they're, they're probably not your best friends. And so you're all maybe heading in the same direction, and some of us, we just need to look for people that are some, one or two people, three people maybe, that are kind of in the same lane with us and kind of invest in our lives with them. And if they're not there, just kind of understand that, and that's okay. Students, something that you need to know is that your friends are going to change over a lifetime. And your friends often, often will have a great amount of influence on you, and you have an opportunity to influence them. And so it's really important that you pick good friends. And this is a time in your life where you can do that, and you get to do that, and you get to invest in them, and they get to invest in you. So choose good friends, invest in them, and become a good friend. Here's another thing as we prioritize friends. Live with friends. Live where friends are. Um, one of the di 
difficult things I've discovered about moving. I actually don't like moving. Um, I've moved a number of times in my life, um, and I don't really want to move again. So, like some of you asked, are you going to leave? Uh, hope not. Um, I, I don't. I don't. I actually don't really like it very much. I don't like moving around. And one of the things that we prayed about before we moved here, uh, and one of the things I asked and kind of looked around is, could we make new friends? Uh, because being having friends and being a good friend is important to me. Um, and I thought as I looked at this community and, and you all, I'm like, yeah, there's some people I could be some friends with uh, in that church because it's important to me. One of the things that I really like about Pastor Nate, and if this is only your second week here, I really don't feature Pastor Nate in every sermon. Um, <laughs> but one of the things that he has, has done right is, and one of the things I'm jealous of, is that he built his house next to his best friend. I mean, how cool is that? C.S. Lewis, when he was giving out a piece of advice uh, to one of his readers, he said this. He said, if I had a piece of advice to a young man about a place to live, I think I should say, sacrifice almost everything to live where you can be near your friends. I know I am very fortunate in that respect. Bonnie Ware is a a nurse who helped people kind of towards the end of life, and she wrote a book called The Top Five Regrets of Dying. And um, within the five, this is what she discovered, people said. They said, I wish I had stayed in touch with my friends. Well, when you get to that point in your life and you really focus in on what's really important, what will come into focus, sharply into focus, are the the relationships in your lives that you knew mattered and what those things matter most. And so prioritize friendships. Second here, focus on communion over digital communication. Communion over digital communication. John is writing to the church here, and he's writing to a group of friends, people that he loves here, and this is what he says to them. He says, I have much to write to you, but I do not want to use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to visit you and talk with you face to face so that our joy may be complete. So ink, writing to, for John, like that was, that was his FaceTime. That was his texting right there. And what he's telling them is that I would rather be with you than to write you, that more joy comes in being together than being apart and me sending you a letter. So just real simple here, because our lives are really busy. Schedule time with your friends. Plan activities with your friends. Eat together. And here's something for us. We're kind of in this phase of our life, so I think about it all the time, and we still fall short a, a decent amount, is let your kids play together. Let your kids play with other kids. If you want them to develop friendships, they have to have playtime. And kind of like almost uns- like supervise, like as little, like kind of a supervision as possible kind of playtime is what we're discovering here so that they can learn how to navigate relationships and life. It helps them to do that. This is like, like a, a, a ton of research is going into this right now because we just structure everything for our kids and kind of hover over them, and it's actually, we're teaching them how not to make friends, because we're solving every problem for them that they have, and part of learning how to be a good friend with somebody is learning how to forgive somebody, is, is learning how to kind of like sharpen off the rough edges of other people, learning ourselves who we do and don't want to be friends with just by the way that we interact with people, 
So kids learn that from a young age. Like, yeah, I don't get along with that kid. I'm not going to be around them. Like, they, they learn that kind of naturally here. And so this means, like, we even let our kids, like, let, I, I know this is, like, crazy. We don't tell people this anymore. But it's okay for other kids even to hurt your kids, only to, like, to a point, right? Like, I know some mama bears are coming out right now. Um, like, no, not my kid. Uh, but this is, this is how we learn and learn empathy and all of these sorts of things. I mean, you could just Google this, like, and you can just read about it. I'm not, I don't have a bunch of time to go over this, but here's a quote from a psychologist uh, here. He says, the adaptive tolerance and empathy towards others that is learned in, nearly, in early preschool through rough and tumble play is really a fundamental part of our having tolerance for people who are different than we are, right? And all of our friends are going to be different than we are at some point. And if we're going to teach our kids to grow up, to be the kind of people who can have empathy for other people, tolerate other people, and be around other people, we have to let them do these sorts of things. And so third here when it comes to friendship, set realistic expectations. Set realistic expectations. Um, you are limited on the number of close friends that you have. Uh, there's, a, there's a truism that a friend to all is actually a friend to none. And as Christians, I think often we get, we get confused. We confuse friendliness with friendship. Um, and so you can be very friendly uh, and have very few friends. And so you can have a lot of companions, but few friends. Even look at Jesus' life, how he operated. He's basically living with 12 dudes, hanging out with 12 dudes. Even the 12 dudes that he has, he kind of reduces his, his kind of, he reduces them to three that he really reveals himself to before he goes to the cross. And here's just what I'm telling you, that you shouldn't feel bad. You shouldn't feel bad if you have a limited number of close friends. You know, you can have as many acquaintances and so forth as you want, but probably the, close, the, the real close friends you have is probably a limited number. Drew Hunter, again, says it like this, that friendship is kind of like a sub submarine, um, is that you can only kind of fit a few on it, but it can go deep but it can go deep. And then last but not least here, remain friends with Jesus. Remain friends with Jesus. Jesus teaches us what it looks like to be a friend. He lets people into his life. I mean, he's, he lives with people. He called three people to be as close with him as possible. I mean, they heard his prayers. They saw his struggles. He bore his soul to them. And more than that, like as we think about Jesus being our friend, and I think back to Jonathan, Jesus was stripped for our sake, hung on the cross, gives everything to us. Everything that is his, we get to inherit. We get to have. We have all access to Jesus. And, and really, good friendships are like that. We love people like that. We offer grace to our friends. We offer love. We offer acceptance. Jesus loves you. He has chosen you. He has sacrificed for you. And he ultimately gives us the power in all of our relationships. If you, if you want to love people more, if you want to care about people more, if you want the power to love the way that Jesus loves, you're going to need to be friends with Jesus. I love this quote by Charles Spurgeon. He says, as he talks about friends, and I'm going to end here with this. He says, he who would be happy here must have friends. And he who would be happy in the hereafter must, above all things, find a friend in the world to come. 
in the person of God. I, I don't know if you're a friend of Jesus yet or if you're contemplating it, but I hope you'll become one. He wants to be your friend. He loves you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. He will always be there with you, and he will walk you through this life as you seek to be a good friend and be friends with others. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that Jesus has been a friend to us. We thank you that he laid down his life for us. We thank you that the God of this universe would call us friends. And now, Father, I give you thanks for our friends. I thank you for those who have been beside us when we're young, who walk with us as we grow older. I thank you for the wisdom that we have been given through our friends, the love that we have received. And I pray for this congregation as we seek to follow Jesus together, that you help us to be good friends. You help us to prioritize our friends. You help us to spend time communing, communing with our friends, loving our friends the way that you have loved us. Help us to do that well. For those of us who long, Father, for good friends, I pray that you would help us all make them, find them, forge them, to be with them, open people's hearts and minds, uh, to be our friends. We understand that no friendship is perfect and that we aren't. And so allow us to give grace to others. Father, I thank you for my friends in this congregation, uh, for those who are following Jesus with me as we follow Jesus together as this church. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, what we're going to do this morning, there's no response song this morning. Um, I know you're going, oh, no. Um, John over there. Uh, here's what we're doing. Um, I just want to leave you with a few announcements. I want you to go out of here, and I want you to think about what it means to be a good friend to somebody else. Give God thanks for your friends, um, and uh, go make friends if you don't have them. Um, here's some way that you can start to begin to make friends is that we have uh, Catalyst Communities um, and D groups over here on this wall. Um, and by the way, we still need more leaders and shepherds. Uh, Josh, who leads our um, D groups, he'll be over here, and he's actually going to do a quick meeting for those of you who are thinking about uh, being in or leading or thinking about leading a group after this. But he'll be over there for a few minutes if anybody wants to connect um, and know how to connect with some of our groups and some of the things that we have going on in the church. I encourage you to to go um, look at that wall over there. Um, also, uh, if you're new with us. Um, I'm, I'll be right here for Give Me 10. I would love to meet you. I got a gift for you. I would love to give that to you and uh, say hello and shake your hand. And then last but not least, so we're going to kind of end um, some of our services um, this morning or going forward with just some questions for your Catalyst community, some things to maybe do to think about or even think about on the way home. First and foremost, what did the Holy Spirit tell you during this service? Second, what are you going to do about it? And then here's just some fun stuff. Uh, what can you do to be a better friend to someone? And how has Jesus been a friend to you or how have you been a friend to Jesus as you, as you go? And so I want you uh, thinking that we want to be thinking about that as we go. If you do need prayer or want any prayer, um, John, would you mind staying back here in the prayer cove just for a few minutes? If you want prayed over, um, we ask that you can stay and do that as well.
Good to see you all this morning. As you go, may you love God, love people, and make disciples of Jesus. I'll be right here. I'd love to meet you if I haven't met you. Amen.